Yep. That freaking drunk bunny. <laughs> hey, YouTube's uh, nice and speedy tonight. That was there we go. Literally less than 30 seconds from click to live, so. Well, how about that? There we are. Hello. Hello there. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 206, your once-week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air, so long as they will not permanently demonetize my channel. We will be drinking alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. And if you like the content you see on this channel and want to help support us in what we do, consider joining the Patreon or Float Plane. Links are both down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and take part in the awesome and ever-growing community that hangs out over there. We are rocking and rolling. Yes, we are. How's it going, Rhett? How's it going? Going pretty good. good. Going pretty good. Glad to be here. Coming down off of uh, the first like legitimate sickness I've had in like two years. Right. Just, <laughs> just knocked me out, man. I missed some work. I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I was legit a little baby. It was bad. <laughs> um, um, I've been sick twice now since the pandemic. The, uh, so I, I also got sick this weekend. And... Uh, uh, when the pandemic started, I, I went until I want to say December before I even got the sniffles and boy, let me tell you, it, it was like, it was like I was on death's door and, and, <laughs> but at the same time in the back of your brain, you're going, this is not that bad. Like you've got a scratchy throat and a little bit of the sniffles and you're coughing once every like seven minutes, yeah. like shut up and take it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But we have been sick so infrequently because of yeah. social distancing and we're all wearing masks, even though they don't work. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 They don't work. Yeah. Except I haven't been sick in two years. Meanwhile, we've eradicated one strain of the flu. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, yeah. It's funny because I got sick, you know, this is like the first, I, I I've had a scratchy throat, but it didn't last more than a couple of days before. This was like the first time, like coughing, yeah. congestion, just feeling like crap. And, um, this was for me, I was just wallowing the whole time. Like, what did I do for two years? I've wasted all of this non sick time in my life. <laughs> like, I can't believe I took it all for granted. Yeah. Oh God. Just kill me now. I'm coming yeah. Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't. Last year I, I got sick and I was I was laid up for two or three days or so. Um, this time it's just it's just this light sniffle, a little bit of a like post nasal drip, but Ugh. it completely annihilated my voice. Uh, where Saturday, Sunday, and Monday I could not talk at all. Uh, oh, yeah. Monday I was like I've got to get a video out. Like I, I was planning on filming on Saturday and I tried to, and and I. I literally couldn't get more than a, a sentence or two out and my voice just completely gave out. And it's like, well, that's not going to work. Sometimes you can get away with being like a little head coldy on camera. Yeah. 
not when you're trying to explain ZFS deduplication and all of its glory in a 25 minute video. Like it's just not gonna, that one's not going to pan out. Yeah. Um, I don't have any unboxings that I can do. Like I don't have anything that I can just turn on the camera for 30 minutes and get out there. Uh, so I came downstairs Monday morning and I'm like, all right, I'm feeling better. You know, my, I feel like I got a little strength back in my throat and whatnot. And, uh, and I sat down and again, I did about two sentences and I just recorded to audacity. I, I didn't even turn the camera on or set it up or anything. I just recorded to audacity and I'm like, that sounded all right. And then I played it back and no, no, it did not. Uh, literally my voice was cracking and cutting out like every third word. <laughs> Just yeah. to the point it was going to be, if I turned the camera on, it was going to be unusable. It's like, well, I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> yep. No use pushing it then. Yeah. Uh, you can probably still hear a little bit. My voice is slightly lower than normal, but uh, I, I'm thankfully on the tail end of this thing. So Take care of yourselves, guys. You know, yeah. one thing that, uh, it, you know, you, you got sick last year, it sounds like. Uh, I didn't. But I, I one thing that's different this year than last, school is in session. That's true. Um, and I feel like this cold, everybody has this cold. Yep. I was going to take tonight oh, everyone, off. Everyone I know. Like, yeah, literally I, everyone. I'm not talking, like, you know, in general. Every person I talked to has been sick with yeah. this in the last two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of one of those things. It's re it's reassuring a little bit because you know you start getting sick. I'm like, oh boy, is this the is this it? Does this finally happen? And then everybody has it. Everybody's no, like, okay, I can still I was... taste whiskey. <laughs> yeah, most people got over it pretty quick. I got hit pretty hard, but uh, it, it goes to show you though that how how much of this stuff was probably like just circulating constantly before. Yeah, you know, because I remember getting sick like every couple months. You get a little something, but you get over it. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, glad to be feeling better. I'm looking forward to this beer. This has been a hell of a week, Jeff. And uh, you know it because we've been trying to get videos out and the yeah. videos weren't coming. And, you know, I'm like, eh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on some of my other projects, but then boom, I got like these huge in-depth trainings I got to do away from home. Yeah. Boom. I got this huge like week-long project for work I got to focus on. And just one thing after another, and here we are Wednesday night. Like I said, I was going to take the night off, but John's family caught the cold too. Yeah, yeah. So John is sick. <laughs> His kid is sick, and John's trying to move too. And so he's yeah. been in the thick of it all this time as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the only person that's not sick is Steve, and he's out doing something else. So it's yeah. Like... <laughs> so here we are. Look. I'm sure I speak for all of us when I say I'm glad I have a beer. Yeah, TGIW is uh, what I posted yep. on Twitter about an hour ago. And yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Rhett, since you're looking forward to yours, what are you drinking tonight, sir? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am drinking The Simple Life uh, by Treehouse Brewing. Gosh, did I get a good shot on this? There we go. A little bit better. Yeah. That can art is gorgeous. And uh, this is from, I believe it's a John Jay beer. I believe uh, so, a yes. Gift from John Jay. Yeah, that's the uh, Imperial Milk Stout, is it not? Yes, it is. Yeah. 
Uh, this bad boy, an Imperial Milk Stout, it is 9.8%. It's brewed with chocolate, marshmallows, graham crackers, and coffee to carefully emulate the flavor of s'mores. Um, this is exactly what I needed. Y'all seen me just need those Imperial Milk Stouts after a, a rough week and... This week's no different. Yep. Looking forward to it. I usually don't drink big beers during the week. Like even if I have one during dinner, which is 50% of the time, I'll, I'll have a beer with dinner. It's like a six or 7% IPA. Uh, I got done with dinner on Monday night and I was so done with the week already. I was already so fed up with the week that I cracked open an old Rasputin. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, nope. Uh, I am starting out with... A Northwest Hazy IPA from Single Hill Brewing uh, called the Hazley. H-A-I-S-L-E-Y. Oh, like a Paisley. Yeah, like a Paisley, but it's a Hazley. Uh, It is made with Mosaic, Idaho Gem, Galaxy, and Idaho 7 Hops. And I believe clocks in in the mid-7s. 7.0. Okay. I've had a couple beers from Single Hill, and I've been pretty impressed with them. So, hoping this one is no different. John Jay's got an Anchorage Double IPA. Nice. People calling me out for the shirt. It's funny because... (laughs) Just read that. (laughs) It's funny because... Last time I was on for the Super Secret Show, pulled my shirt off. It is a thing that I do all the time in all of my other, you know, virtual groups. <laughs> Nobody says anything about it anymore. But it was like a talking point. People couldn't let it go. They thought I was crazy. It was not just the shirt. It was the uh, the musical talents <laughs> that oh, yeah. went along with it. The melodica. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> I pulled that out. There's a fantastic emoji on our Discord server now, by the way. Oh, is there? Yes, oh, that's there awesome. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Really? I thought I tagged I you in it once. Yeah. Maybe you did. I don't know. I have no shame. No, I know. That's great. It was hot in here, man. It's a small room. Uh, Jeremy's drinking a cherry Coke this week. No Mountain Dew. Let's see. Uh, I would join, but an espresso. I would join with an espresso martini, but I'm on call. That's from Logan. You know what? Just go with a straight-up espresso and treat yourself when uh, when it's not your shift. Ooh. Novella Hub's got a Clown Shoes Exorcism at Sunset Bourbon Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout at 10.75. Uh, let's see. Michael's got a Warped Wing Brewing Creep Show Smoked Porter 6.66%, which is, I think, the perfect Halloween beer. Uh, RS is drinking a Dragon's Milk. Fantastic. Williams got a Torg Brewing Guilty Martyr Dunkelweizen, uh, 5.6%. And Rev has a Colossal Cloud Double IPA from Rogue. So uh, hitting our local local one here a little bit. All right. So finally got that hazy poured. Really nice, light, pillowy, cloudy head on it. That looks amazing. I, yeah. I wish that you all could see, but see, I swore that I would only drink out of this clay mug from now on. <laughs> I wish you all could see how thick and dark this beer is. Let's see. Can we get a little, I don't know. But anyway. I, I don't know if you can is... tilt it enough. Yeah. Mm. That didn't help. That made it worse. Nope. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Um, 
Oh my God. It is thick. It has like the consistency of like, you know, chocolate milk, but it's got that rich roasted coffee flavor. It uh, has the, 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 the sweetness um, of like the marshmallows. You can taste sort of that, the honeyness of the graham crackers a little bit. Nice. Um, I guess that, yeah, I, you know, I say, uh, chocolate milk but yeah it's like it does have that hint of of chocolate in it as well obviously like I, I was reading that before and i was saying chocolate milk because of the consistency right but it has the flavor too yeah but this but also chocolatey <laughs> yeah it's it kind of yeah. like chocolate milk but if you add chocolate to it the first thing that jumps out is me is the coffee the coffee kicks me in the face and the thing is i love uh, i love dark beers and if you if you do a good job adding coffee to it mm -hmm. i'm sold that that's yeah you know gonna be one of my favorites and this, the coffee flavor stands out. It's rich and roasted and bright. Um, but this beer is thick. Nice. Oh, this is good. Nice. This one is also quite good. Uh, completely other end of the spectrum. Uh, I mean, Imperial <laughs> Milk Stout versus Hazy Northwest. Um, very yeah, literally from opposite ends of the country, too. Right. Uh, very, very light bodied tangy citrusy um it's uh like pineapple and passion fruit is, is kind of what this one is is speaking to me um and uh it is i don't want to call it over carbonated but it almost has like that that hyper carbonated grapefruit soda tingliness kind of on your tongue um you know squirt sprite seven up where it just dances a little bit more than the normal Right, uh, it's quite good. I like this one. Mm. Hey, Jeff! Cheers to you! Cheers to you all! And to and, hell with uh, this week, for real. <laughs> down, down with. Screw I'm actually like week. legitimately butting up. It's only Wednesday. I'm, I'm almost exhausted. My, my hours at my other job for the week. Yeah, like <laughs> that's how crazy of a week it's been. So yeah. Um, depending on. Tonight, after show, I got, I got some work for Jeff I got to do. If I can get that done in a timely manner and jump on some other things, like, I might not be working for my other job tomorrow and Friday. So. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, that must be nice. <laughs> well, you know, I would take more time if they would allow <laughs> me to, true. but uh, they say 40 hours a week. Yep. We can't afford it. Yep. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the news this week, starting with a story that kind of warms my heart just a little bit because uh, there's nothing more irritating in the tech sector and in the tech support world than printers. Yeah, We all hate them. We hate them with a fiery passion. Printers should not be that complicated. Uh, mm. 3D printers at this point are easier to work than printers. That That's a... I wish that was an understatement, but I think I'm actually underselling that statement. That 3D printers at this point in time are more consistent and easier to set up than some printers. Yeah. And that's pathetic. But... Uh, this is not a feel-good story for a printer company doing something right. Rather, this is a story about Canon doing something wrong and being sued for it. That is, that if your Canon printer, scanner, copier, combo, happens to run out of ink, 
it will also stop scanning and copying. Let me say that again. (laughs) If your Canon printer runs out of ink, the scanner on it will stop functioning. And surprisingly, Canon is being sued over this. (laughs) Not surprisingly. This has been the scam of printers for a long time, it feels like. Mm -hmm. Um, How many of you have used printers where you run out of color ink in your cartridge and you can't even print black and white? Right. Yep. Not only is the print the industry that is cropped up around home printing so disastrous for the environment, it's also disastrous for your pocketbook. Uh, they don't make it cheap or easy. Oftentimes, it's easier to walk your ass on down to Office Depot and get yourself a brand new printer yep. than it is to buy ink. Here's the deal. Um, I'm going to sound like a dinosaur for a second. Back in my day... Um, <laughs> There was such a thing as you would spend $500 on a printer and the ink was $10, but the printers were so well made that they weren't sustainable for the company to invest in making printers. So they did the inverse and they started selling consumables rather than selling printers. And so now printers are built to be sold for under $100 in most cases. And they make money on the ink because the ink is proprietary formula and worth more per ounce than gold is in some cases. Uh, I mean, when was it? Who who was it a few years ago? I feel like five, six, seven years ago it came out. The big scandal that like some of these uh, printers were designed to like leave 40% of the ink in these cartridges and say that they were empty. HP. HP got. I was going to say, I thought yep. it was HP. Yep. Um, like it's just such a joke. Yeah. It, and it really is. But, but it's because they didn't feel that they were making enough uh, of a of a profit differential on selling really really nice high end printers versus selling consumables after the purchase. Uh, and so there is legitimately. No reason in the world why a printer that you buy from the same company a year down the road uses a different ink cartridge than the one you bought last year. There's no reason in the world for it other than they want to make them not compatible so you continue to buy ink. Ink dries out, which is why not a lot of companies push laser printers. And when they do, they're still, you know... Laser printers are two, three, four hundred dollar machines on average. Yeah. Um, and uh, and toner is fairly expensive, but it's not nearly as expensive as printer ink is, especially when you figure how much use you get out of toner and the fact that toner doesn't go bad sitting in a cartridge in your printer if you print once every three months, like I do here. Uh, so I have a color laser printer, and I love it. Although. Yeah. It's a Samsung laser printer, and then Samsung went and sold their printer division over to HP, and so now HP is in control of my Samsung printer drivers. Uh, And I actually lost functionality on the printer because you needed a Samsung application to get it configured onto the Wi-Fi, and HP's printer drivers don't have that functionality. So I have a wireless printer with 
no wireless connectivity anymore because I can't set it up for my new network. That's irritating. Yeah. But I refuse to yeah. buy a new printer. So yeah. I plugged it in I, with I, USB and share it off my wife's PC. I refuse to to really buy into printer, you know, the at-home printing anymore. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I went through this thing. I had like four different printers at one point and I had a collection of like a hundred different cartridges and some of which were like supposed to work in these printers and all this, but I couldn't get any combination of anything to work. And I threw them all out and I started running my business entirely digitally. Yep. I have like a digital fax service. So if I need to fax something to somebody, I email them a PDF and it's basically faxes on their machine. Yeah. Um, and I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, well, can you mail that to me? I'm like, no. This is 2021. <laughs> Get you're getting an email. Right. I'll fax if you're a if you're like really set on it. Yeah. But that's it. Otherwise, if I really need something, I go to Kinkos and I print there because it's cheaper. Yeah. Overall, going to Kinkos and printing what I need there is cheaper. Yeah. Escape the the at home printing capitalist trap folks this is like this is like terry pratchett's you know uh economic theory of boots or whatever you know how 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 the poor people's boots are made so poorly that they have to spend more money on boots yep. than the rich people who can buy a nice pair of boots that last a lifetime no that's yeah yeah see you just Discworld economics 101 i would say baby. you just summed up modern capitalism <laughs> Yeah. Although it's not all that modern because different industries have different trends and the trend right now and for the last 20 years has been, well, you spend money on ink, not on the printer. Um, yeah. Well, there is a light bulb here in the United States. You can go and visit it and it's been lit for well over a mm -hmm. hundred years. That's is what that the one do the New York fire station. I don't know. Yeah. Is it? I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's in a New York firehouse and uh, it has been lit continuously for over a hundred years, not yeah. like it is, it is on. Um, now the thing is like eight Watts, like it, it ain't much light and it's an Edison bulb that hangs on a chain, uh, in, in the, in, on the, in the corner of a firehouse, they actually have a webcam on it. So you can visit the webcam stream yeah. and see that it's lit. <laughs> well, look, you know, and this is the big deal. Like they've had the technology to make light bulbs that don't mm -hmm. that don't break like the ones that we have yep but then you have no manufacturing incentive for these companies right. to build them right who's gonna now, buy new light problem. bulbs if your light bulb never dies how many of you all have bought led bulbs that have gone out what kind of garbage is that that is the crappy power delivery in 99.9% .9 of cases the led is fine uh but mm. The power delivery circuit will die on it because you're down converting 120 volt down to either five or 12. And uh, yeah. Now that, that, that actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But that's also a quasi intentional weak point. Oh yeah. So because where's the, where's the market incentive for right. led light bulb manufacturers you know that what? they do last 30 years. Do you know what never dies? The transformer for your house doorbell. 
no one knows that your doorbell runs on 12 volts because you've <laughs> never had to check. You've never had to replace a doorbell unless you just replaced it with like a ring or something. Yeah, the, but, the rings are making this a lot more common. But your old school doorbell, somewhere in your house, there's a brick about this big that's plugged, that's sitting, hanging up on a wall, yeah. sometimes in a closet or in a bathroom or under the stairs or whatever else. That <laughs> is was, a this... 120 to 12 volt transformer that powers your doorbell. This was a funny thing. My friend just bought a house and he wanted to get a ring. And so he started tracing where his transformer was. Mm -hmm. And it was like in some godforsaken oh. spot oh, yeah. <laughs> under the floorboard, but like in his basement. And it took a lot to trace because there was like, we were tracing it through here and it's like, oh, well, it goes through here. And when you get to the other side, you start following it, but nope, that wasn't actually the right line anymore. <laughs> you had to go back and it spliced off another direction. Yeah. Like such a crazy, crazy thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, your, your house doorbell never fails, but it's just a 120 to 12 volt transformer. The same thing that should be powering our LEDs, but you know what? Our LED bulbs are suddenly failing. We know mm. how to make transformers. It's not that yeah. difficult. It's not that difficult to make them well either. No. All right. Well, moral of the story, y'all, don't buy ring doorbells because they have promised to give your footage to the police. Yep. Don't do it. Yep. Oh. Anyway, uh, screw Canon, screw HP, screw the at-home printing industry. I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm in a screw you <laughs> kind of mood this week. I really am. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into it. Not going to get into it. I'm not yet. I'm, not yet, Jeff. Well, I'm in a screw FedEx mood too. Uh, mm. So for those who have been following the FedEx saga, uh, so I had a server that was supposed to be shipped to me from direct from Supermicro. Um, I, I have no problem saying this because it's now back out for delivery and should be here tomorrow. They shipped it overnight this time. So hopefully they won't. Yeah. So Supermicro sent out a server at the beginning of the month to me. Uh, dual 28 core Ice Lake 10 nanometer with 512 gigs of DDR4 3200 registered ECC. Legit a, a five figure server, like 12 to $15,000 depending on market value right now. Um, that I was looking forward to reviewing. Like, really the first like brand new server on my channel I get to review, like I'm, I'm all over this. Uh, it was supposed to be delivered on October 11th, uh, on Monday. Uh, it was on truck for delivery, October 10th. Sweet, which is a Sunday. Uh, or no, it was on, on the truck on the 9th and then out for delivery on, on the 10th. Uh, on, on the 10th was a Monday, whatever. Uh, noon rolls by FedEx always shows up at my mailbox before noon. And so noon, one o'clock rolls by and I drive by my server's not there. Well, that's weird. Check the tracking. It says still out for delivery. Okay. Maybe it's an afternoon delivery. So I waited till four o'clock. Nope. Didn't hit it four o'clock either. Well, that's interesting because... I, I know their schedule at this point. Like, I, I know when they drop off at my mailbox because it's the same guy. I know the driver who drops it off. Nope, never showed up. Okay. 
wait till the next day. Uh, still says out for delivery from the day before. Uh, estimated time of arrival Monday. This is 9 a.m. Tuesday morning. Uh, didn't show up Tuesday. Didn't show up Wednesday. Finally, midday Wednesday, it had uh, changed from estimated time of delivery Monday to just pending. Like, we don't know. But no other scans, nothing. Uh, so I start a case with them and I say, hey, you have a three foot long $15,000 server that you guys somehow lost. Any idea where that might be? Can I drive by and look in your warehouse? Because apparently you guys are not able to do that. Uh, nope, sorry. We don't know. We haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, go through the rest of the week calling them once a day and a couple of times calling out on Twitter and saying, hey, FedEx, when are you going to drop by my five-figure server? It'd be really nice to know it's not broken in half somewhere. Well, sorry, we looked for it. We can't find it. Um, finally, I, I get in touch with Supermicro uh, earlier this week. And uh, and I say, hey, you're going to love this. Uh, it looks like FedEx has lost the server. Um so I've already got a case number with them. Here's the case number. But if you guys want to follow up from your end as well or start your insurance claim or whatever else, here you go. You know, and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure out what we need to do later on. Uh, so my rep goes, okay, yeah, that, that sounds good. Like, I'll, I'll hand that off to my shipping uh, guys and, and let them deal with it. Uh, he emails me back in the morning and says, I am furious because FedEx just delivered the server back to me. So it went from San Jose to Oregon, onto a truck for delivery, off the truck for delivery, back to San Jose, delivered from whence it came. Yeah. And FedEx had Sounds no like FedEx. idea. I got a call this morning, after it had already been dropped back off with Supermicro in San Jose, saying, hey, we're trying to run a trace. Uh, can you give me an idea of what the contents of that box was and, and whatnot? And we'll see. I said, yeah, well... I already found it. Thanks. Uh, it's back with the guy who shipped it. And he'll, he'll be sending it back out later on. But not with FedEx. Yeah. Hopefully. No, it's with FedEx. Uh, naturally. Uh, but. Uh, See, oh, great. You found your package. Cool. Let me know if there's anything else I can do to provide excellent customer service today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's what you can do. Walk to the nearest busy intersection. No. Um <laughs> <laughs> no tell me when you're there steve no steve is that doesn't work we know steve she, um, she was a very nice young lady oh. and okay. i never well, shoot the messenger like I, I can get irritated post almost almost never shoot the messenger okay but you know how well it works to almost. do that sometimes every once in a while the messenger needs shot <laughs> not about the server anymore it's about sending a message <laughs> it's about revenge jeff okay <laughs> this is one too many times they screwed up okay um i will say on a side note uh from last estimate fedex is one for 19 for on-time deliveries in the last month and a half i've been tracking mm. them since the beginning of september yeah, and sounds about right one for 19 I have received See, on the is, day that they said it would be delivered. This is what I, I was going to kind of ask about was, you know, 
There is a big talking point in the United States, and I'm sure around the world right now, um, about labor shortages, right? And the United States Postal Service uh, just unveiled a very unpopular um, directive, I guess, or I don't know what you would call it, where they're basically saying, yeah, you can expect your mail to be delivered 40% slower than before an average of like three days or something like that yeah uh which is already that it's our that sucks that really sucks yeah. okay part of it is the postal service can't keep employees going and they pay pretty well right. in my area they start at like 18 bucks an hour with like unlimited overtime if you want it. yeah that that's that's the trainees get 18 dollars an hour uh yeah. people who have been there a long time 35 40 is not anywhere outside the realm of possibility right like it's it's actually kind of regular right exactly so most postal employees i know have worked there their entire mm -hmm. life um so anyway um i'm sure that the same affliction now 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 before you finish um i i was so <laughs> fed up and and irritated with fedex this last week because all I'm hearing from FedEx, all the excuses that I'm getting is, well, there's a labor shortage. We are we uh, are we are running at 65% of what we actually need in our Troutdale facility to to get packages moved efficiently. Then pay more. Right. So I looked up what does a warehouse package handler make at FedEx? Guess what? It's $13 an hour. What does an average driver make? Because the thing yeah. is, they're not even paid hourly. Most FedEx drivers, yeah. it's run like a franchise. You own the route and you get paid for the route, mm -hmm. whether it took you 12 hours or it took you eight hours. Yeah. And that's why these guys drive like animals mm -hmm. is because time is literally money to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so because, because of the market <laughs> incentive to screw over the customer. Yep. Yep. Wow, sound familiar, doesn't it? You know, it's like, let's just let the free market decide how to get packages to a place. Working real well, Jeff. It's working real well. One out of 19 times. One out 5%. of 19. 5%. Yep. <laughs> the, the frustrating thing about FedEx, and, and I don't mean to harp on this, but oh, no, let, let's, let's face it, they deserve it at this point. <laughs> Um, the frustrating thing about that is it's FedEx who's putting the expectation and the delivery schedule out there. Like, if I ship a package on Wednesday and you say it will be delivered to its destination on Monday, cool. That's what I paid for. Uh, if you're so short-staffed and you understand at this point nationwide that you're short-staffed, and it's going to take you an additional four days to deliver that package to BF Nowhere, Idaho. Just tell me next Thursday. Because then I'm not waiting for four days and seeing delays and, like, change the algorithm that estimates the time of, of delivery. You know, if you say it'll be there Thursday and then it shows up Wednesday, guess what? You're a winner in my book. But if it says Monday... And it doesn't get there until Thursday. That's three days of me being pissed off. <laughs> right. So here's the thing. Part of this like, is FedEx shooting themselves in the foot for not accurately representing the service that they can deliver right now. Right. We live in unprecedented times, Jeff. So 
we might be a little understanding if they say, well, hey, we live in unprecedented times, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Your package is going to take 30 to 40% longer to get there because we're operating at 60% staffing capacity. And you go, oh, okay, great. I understand that. You know why? Because I go to the grocery store and they don't even have the wasabi almonds that I want. I don't know if you've ever listed a better first world problem. And they don't have the Smucker's Uncrustable Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwiches. No, no, no. They have the grape, but not the strawberry. Where are you shopping, Jeff? Where are you shopping? (laughs) I had to go with a ham and cheese roll-up. Oh, God. You poor, poor thing. Did you know that they make taco bites? No, because I want an Uncrustable. Who would who would get that when you got the 150 count of pizza rolls? Like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I got taquitos and pizza rolls in my freezer. Boy, I'm good. I've got okay. an air fryer. Look. If I'm shopping for me, fine. I'm set. Totino's pizza rolls. I got a bag of 499 for $30. Okay. It's <laughs> it's set. But I'm buying for a two-year-old, Jeff. Okay. And he wants his uncrustables. <sighs> so anyway. That's what happens when you let the market dictate uh, how you do your jobs. You know, the, the market approach. Anyway, just kidding. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Truth be told, FedEx sucks. They've always sucked. And uh, if one of their delivery people crashes on an island, you count on them to wear your things. You're it's not true. even going to get those packages. I've seen that movie. I've seen that movie. So, yeah, it's it's a factual. It's as close to a documentary as we're going to get about FedEx. Yeah. So, (laughs) moving on, moving on to someone new story, (laughs) moving on to someone who won't let you down. And that is, of course, today's video sponsor, Linode. (laughs) If you've ever needed to host your own servers, whether it be for home or business use, but don't have the resources or time to invest into hardware, power, cooling, or even space, why not let Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software for most tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. Linode makes it simple to deploy and manage your own cloud services, with solutions ranging from a single shared CPU to massive multi-core virtual machines. They even offer dedicated RTX 6000 GPUs for graphic rendering or machine learning. With shared CPU plans, Starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. And even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Visit linode.com craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit when signing up for a new account. That's linode.com craftcomputing and thank you again to Linode for sponsoring whatever this is. <laughs> Thank you, Linode. Thank you, Linode. You guys rock. You want to know who isn't letting the market dictate their horrible business to sit? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, 
Jeff, we have a super chat. We miss it. We must get to it. We must set the record straight. Yes, you are completely correct. I don't even remember who it was, so I'm going to have to scroll up here. There it is. Denver. 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 My man sends over $10. Thank you so much, Denver. Sue Lenovo for having a bio splash screen on laptops, not 65 watt, even... Not 65 watt, even if the laptop maxes at 25 watt. Those 65 watt chargers are too big for laptop carts, and now laptops miss updates because of splash screen. Uh, not quite sure what the the charger. What I I haven't looked into that particular issue. Um, he does say right below that, if the charger is not 65 watts. Ah, I don't know if that clarifies oh, okay. anything for you. So. Ah, it's a BioSplash screen, just like Dell used to do, that alerts you if you're not using a an official OEM Dell charger uh, oh. that we require at least 65 watts. Now, never mind that we're using Intel's ba-ba-ba, you know, chip that only draws like 27 at peak, which means we're looking at like a 35 watt total envelope. No, we have to have our OEM 65 watt charger. Um, yeah, that's crap. That's crap. I've always hated. There's, there's the joke that's literally as old as home computers, which is, uh, keyboard not connected, press F1 to continue. (laughs) That was a real screen that we had to deal with. (laughs) I, I know there's not a keyboard connected. I, now... Now this this may shock some people, but back in the day, there was no such thing as plug and play peripherals, where your keyboard was a serial connection that negotiated its connection at power on of the system. Same with the mouse. And so if your connection wasn't made, you didn't have a keyboard. And that is a, a real thing that can cause headaches. However, stopping the PC from booting to let me know that there's not a keyboard and please press F1 to continue when I cannot install a keyboard right now and press F1 (laughs) to continue is kind of a moot point to stopping the whole process, don't you think? Uh, Yeah, no, I've, I've encountered very, very similar splash screens and I have always been... I like the way that a lot of servers do it nowadays, which is they will pause 30 seconds after post and let you know there's a potential hardware issue. Hey, DIM7 is showing signs of errors. You may want to correct this, and it might even beep at you. But after 30 seconds, it boots into the OS. That's the way to handle BIOS screen errors. Uh, Whether it's a keyboard whether it's failing hardware, whether it's a smart alert, whether it's a sensor that's gone bad or a fan that's running at 100%. Take your time. Let me know. But sometimes I already know, and it's okay. So please let me get into the system that I just turned on on purpose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for that super chat. And we are excited at uh, 45 minutes into the show to get to our second news story of the night. (laughs) It's a happening week, let me tell you. I didn't mean to spend 
35 minutes yelling at the no. at the uh, no. at FedEx. Although you I kind might of not have him meant it, but the moment that you but let I needed that go, it. but I, I facilitated that. Yeah, I facilitate. I saw it happening, and I just said, "Here's the red carpet, Jeff. Let her rip, baby." You you saw the let's hear it. You you saw the crack in the shades, and you threw those curtains open. Like oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's get some daylight on this bad boy. <laughs> there ain't no hiding FedEx, not from Jeff of Craft Computing. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Moving right along. Uh, you might have noticed the title of today's video is It's All About the Pentiums. Is there anything that cannot be done by a Pentium processor? The answer is no. There's not something that can't be done by a Pentium processor, including booting Windows 11, even though <laughs> Windows and Microsoft don't let much, much newer, much, much more advanced systems run the operating system at all because of a lack of <laughs> hardware or or very very obscure specifications they're trying to get or maybe it's a lack of a tpm uh tamper protect module uh who knows but rather than microsoft set up a list of approved hardware that you have to have in order to be able to install windows 11 so Let's go down the checklist. You have to have ABX2 instructions and you have to have a TPM module installed and you have to have a CPU that can boost up to three gigahertz and, and this and that. Like, cool. As long as your BIOS reports that information, you're good to go. Rather, Microsoft went the opposite direction and blacklisted hardware that shouldn't be able to run Windows 11, which leaves us with some very peculiar, 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 there we go, <laughs> peculiar uh, circumstances. Like the fact that a Pentium 4 processor from 2005 tests as working for Windows 11 when a 7th gen i7 does not. So <laughs> it's all about the Pentiums means that a Pentium 4 as long as it has hyper-threading, will pass the, the system requirements check for Windows because it's not a blacklisted CPU. And you can install it, and it works just fine. <laughs> I know it's not much of a title story, but it just made me giggle. <laughs> this is great. That this is, great. this is the method that they chose to narrow down the system requirements of Windows 11. They said, no, no, no. Like, we don't care if you have a, a seventh gen, you know, i7, and, and and you want to install it, and you're under and you understand the intricacies of TPM, and you're fine with taking the risk without having a TPM module. That's fine. That's fine. Tell you what, we'll give you a little warning screen that pops up during the install, and we might add it to the firewall and and you know security wizard thing in in the windows setup once it's all done but you know what it's fully capable of running windows 11 as it sits no instead they add the 7700k to a blacklist and omit the pentium 4 655 which is a 3.06 gigahertz hyper-threaded pentium 4 from 2005 sorry 661 661 uh that it's 16 years old <laughs> it has no business running Windows 11. But behold, 
It's a certified to work processor. It just makes me laugh. It makes me laugh because there's no reason that Microsoft outside of we're simply trying to compete with Mac and close our ecosystem a little bit needs to have a TPM module. Um, I worked with cube farms that didn't have TPM modules. Uh, <laughs> TPM modules, for those who don't know, is like an ISO 9000 standard. Um, it's it's typically used for like banks and hospitals uh, to ensure that all communication end to end is encrypted and no one has put a man in the middle piece in between the network card physically on the machine and the switch that it's communicating with, or it's not intercepting packets or, or instructions between the CPU and memory. The, the, the hardware as it sits in this PC is certified to work because we're, we're doing our checks and balances and making sure that the before and after still matches. That's the long and short of what a TPM does. Uh, there's honestly no reason for a consumer to run a TPM module at home. Like your computer doesn't get opened that often. It's it's meant to it's meant to protect against physical hardware attacks, not against malware, not against downloading wrong cookies, not against all all kinds of other things that are legitimately threats. But no, someone's going to plant a little microcontroller somewhere on your physical hardware in your house, presumably on your on your you know, Dell laptop, because that's all people have anymore. Desktops are dead for the general population. Uh, or iPads or Chromebooks. And that's supposed to protect you. Cool. Thanks, Microsoft. So if you need to run Windows 11, go out and buy yourself a Socket 775 motherboard and a Pentium 4 661, and you will be off to the races, my friend. DDR1. Who needs five? DDR1 is where this is at. What do you think? What's the, what would be the cost of something like that to get running with this? Uh, the cost really, it's really hard to quantify because it all depends on, can you find a board? Honestly, 99% of where I would find equipment like this is considered e-waste at this point. Like not even yeah, recyclers yeah. will put it out for sale because <laughs> it's it's too new to be retro and too old to do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't even run a good version of an operating system because it came out in late XP slash early Windows Vista days. And so like who longs for the days of, of firing up a Windows Vista PC? Like that's not mm. a retro community that exists. Mm. I don't know, man. I'll hang on to XP Service Pack 3 for another five years. I know you will. I'll skip right to Windows 10. <laughs> Zachary sends over a $25 super chat. Thank you so much, Zachary. I, I saw it in time this time. Since I don't really drink, I am clueless about such a thing. Pick up a pick a bourbon for me to buy uh, for a bourbon maple bacon. Ah, I... Uh, so bourbon in general is already going to be kind of on the sweet side. And if you're doing like a bourbon maple, uh, you probably look, for 25 bucks for 25 bucks. Look, I know you gave us 25 bucks, but for yourself, yeah, <laughs> you want 
the bourbon, okay? His name's Jim Beam. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Jim Beam for 25 bucks. I would actually go slightly sweeter if you're oh, if you're just going to fry it with bacon. Honestly. Okay. Um I mean Jim All Beam's right. not a not a bad answer. Um No, it's not. Wait, wait, wait. You can go Jim Beam apple and do some apple smoked bacon. Uh but uh honestly, for like 20 bucks if you're not going to drink it, you can get something like a Seagram 7 American whiskey. You can get, uh, oh, you know what? Seagram 7 no, no, no. is Canadian. Stop, 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 stop. Uh, don't talk about my Seagrams, okay? You need to go out and you need to buy a bottle of, I think I have it. Hold on. I have it. Look, Seagram 7, it's not bourbon. It's Canadian, all right? You want real American bourbon distilled with Kentucky corn mash. This right here is the bottle you want. This is the Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. Don't laugh. Don't laugh at this. Uh, this is a 100 proof Kentucky bourbon. It is fairly sweet. It'll run you about 15 to $17, depending on what your local liquor store charges. But you're well under 20 bucks for this. It is a very, very sweet, actually very drinkable, whether it's in cocktails, straight, neat, whatever, uh, uh, bourbon. And I think that'll get you the flavor you're after more than Jim Beam or or Jack Daniels or another off-the-shelf whiskey would. So he asking about bourbon, okay? Now, Evan Williams counts. Kentuck Don't you Kentucky dare come back bourbon. here. Kentucky yeah, straight bourbon. I know. I know. Evan Williams counts. Yeah. It counts, okay? I said American whiskey for Seagram, and Mr. Rainier won't get off his high horse. That's because it's Canadian. Technically, yes. Although I'm sure somebody maybe corrects me. They're like, well, actually, it's, it's distilled in Canada, but it is in the American style. I don't see anything like that yet, but Seagram Seven, that's my preferred cheap whiskey. Right. Cause you can get a fifth for ten bucks. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I buy the handles for seventeen at a time. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. That's the way to go. Yeah. That's the way to go. Uh anyway. Wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. Seagram7.com. You freaking go there right this second. Oh, God. You go there right this second. Oh, no. Seagram7.com? Seagram7.com. And if you can't even spell it right, then you're already disqualified from this conversation. Hmm. Didn't get me there. Just a second. Here, I'll put it up on screen for you. I got it. I Seagram7, got it. Seven, an American, American icon. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. So seven is their American style. VO is their Canadian style. I get it. Okay. I was wrong. Does that make you feel better? Yes, it does. Does that actually. make you feel better, Jeff? It does. It does. Okay. That's not easy for me to say. Seagram so seven. I'm going to say it. An right now, American icon. Okay. Well, American blended whiskey. But. 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 Yeah, yeah. Seagram's is from Quebec. Nailed it. Um, anyway. 
So yeah, sevens are American style. I'll I'll I'll, I'll eat it on that one because mm-hmm. I, I as soon as you said it and I corrected you, I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it is <laughs> their American style and VO is their Canadian. Right. Style. Yeah. The, their their straight seven is a Ameri- is an American whiskey. Yeah. Yes. I mean, just allow I, me to. I I will give that. you. I always forget they're Canadian, so I will give you that. But I was also right, right that it's an American whiskey. I only know because I'm I was so broke for so long. Anyway, Evan <laughs> Williams bottled in bond. This is the bourbon you want to get if you're going to go out and cook or make some get used to the flavor of bourbon, get some entry level cocktails going. This is pretty good and it's not going to break the bank. <laughs> so, Evan Williams white label bottled in bond. Fair enough. Boom. Uh next super chat from Kevin Brack. It says message retracted. Uh I see the message and it says, hold on. No, we've got, uh, can you read it? Hold up. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. All of a sudden we got like five super chats and they all just kind of stacked up on each other. Yeah. Uh, so from Kevin message retracted. Well, thank you for the 279 Canadian. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm sorry you retracted it, but you know, Hey, Denver, $5. Thank you again. Kind sir. Uh, list of my CPUs that was not given or that have not given an error or notice of Windows 11 compatibility, Core 2 Duo T2400, Xeon X5690, Phenom 2 1045T, Core M56Y54, and an Atom X7Z8750. Um, I have an 8550, or 8350 Atom, 8350 Atom, that has also not given me a message. I haven't tested on a Phenom, although I do have, I have a Phenom X6 around here somewhere. Um, I do have an X5690, but I haven't tried going going that far yet. Um, Core 2 Duo T2400, that's, that's, uh, or Core Duo. That's interesting because that's a 32-bit processor. That doesn't have 64-bit instructions. Hmm... See what happens when Microsoft, they're they're trying to make those most market-driven decisions possible. They let they let it fall through the crack. Yeah, it's like blue diamond wasabi almonds all over again. Yep, fools, fools. So the Core Two Duo T, or sorry, Core Duo, not Core Two Duo, because that was the second generation Core processor. Uh, Not to be confused with the second generation Core processor. which is Sandy Bridge. Um, But uh, legacy Intel Core processors. Intel Core Duo T2400, two cores, two threads, 1.83 gigahertz, no boost, so 1.83, 667 megahertz bus speed, 31 watt TDP, and gosh, where was it? A 65 nanometer architecture. <laughs> 65 nanometer. Classic. Yep. <laughs> Moving right along here. Uh, actually, it is nine o'clock, almost on the nose. How is your uh, beer treating you? I take it you're ready for can number two. I can't thank you enough, John Jay. That was delightful, drinkable. From the top to the bottom. 
and responsible for some of the finest rant material we've had on talking. That was great. I I actually had to bring the rant. I, 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 I always hesitate bringing the rant alert out because I don't want it to be overused. (laughs) <laughs> and we were going for like two minutes and I went, you know what? This is going to keep going. I, I think we go rant alert. Anytime it crescendos with wasabi almonds. <laughs> <laughs> when wasabi almonds and, 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 and you know, it's going to throw down after that. It's like, yeah, I'm going to hit that. I'm going to hit that. I'm going, look, we got to, we got to carry on business as usual through the rest. Of, Cause we got some, we got some news stories. We got some super chats. We do. So I'm going, by an old standby here. It is a local favorite, Ninkasi Brewing Prismatic Juicy IPA. Oh, yeah. This is a delightful beer. You all have seen me drink it like a dozen times. I can't get that to focus. But anyway, you've you've seen me drink it a dozen times on the show. And by golly, let's make it a baker's dozen tonight. <laughs> Going right into the clay mug. Look at this. Look at this. Yep. Oh, oh. Oh, Jeff pulled away. I pulled away. Oh, oh. Huh? how nice. high can I go? How high can I go? You're just pouring it on the floor. Oh shit! <laughs> um, I'm going a little bit oddball tonight for my second brew. Um, so some people know, some people don't. Uh, my wife actually has celiac disease. Uh, which, for those who don't know, is the root of. Does this have gluten in it? I ha- I can't have gluten. Um, and the South Park, it'll, it'll make your fly off. Uh, it's, that was actually celiac disease. And it's the reason why we have so many gluten-free things. And it's kind of a misunderstood thing, but it's actually an anti-immune disorder where in the presence of gluten, which is the coating around the wheat kernel and can be found in wheat, barley, or rye, your immune system will attack the cilia inside your small intestine. Uh, thus autoimmune response, uh, which means your body is attacking itself in the presence of a third party. Um, nothing like, you know, an invasive thing coming in and you holding a gun to the president's head and going, get back or I shoot. That's pretty much what it was. Uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, as such, anytime I see a gluten-free beer, I usually want to try it because my wife doesn't get to drink beer. She doesn't get to drink whiskey. She doesn't get to drink... Like, the cornerstone of my diet is wheat, barley, and rye. <laughs> and there's not a lot of crossover between between us when it comes to recreational enjoyment. Uh, or even just food or going out to a restaurant is, is very difficult at times. Although, I really want to thank the pre-Karens. I call them pre-Karens because they weren't Karens yet. They were just the the bitchy women who used to yell at restauranters uh, for kind of making gluten-free be a thing on a lot of menus and pushing forward my wife being able to eat at a restaurant again, because there was like 10 years that we couldn't go out anywhere. It No one knew what it was and there was no such thing as a menu and gluten can be in anything. Anyway, that's all to say that tonight's beer is a gluten-free beer. Uh, it is the Watchstander Stout from Ghostfish Head. And the cool thing about Ghostfish Head is they are a 100% gluten-free brewery up in Seattle. Uh, so all of their beers are gluten-free. Now, I will say, I don't think this stout is going to pass the light test. 
Uh, it's not pouring very dark at all. But I will still say it is darker than John's uh, attempt at a non-alcoholic stout. So there's that. It's a stout, so we got to turn on the light. Here we go. That's not terrible. Uh, you're muted. There you go. I was being so considerate. Yeah. If I would have done that for mine, okay, you wouldn't have seen the light. Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> uh, I need to pull up the episode where where John, so it was last March, and John was doing a bunch of his, uh, his non-alcoholic beers. And he poured a stout, and so I decided to pour like a 12.5% barrel age, just like thick. And he took a flashlight to it, and <laughs> let, let, me, let me do that again. Because his beer looked like like the edge right there the entire time. <laughs> yeah. at, at least this one, it darkens up towards the center. Like you can oh, yeah. see there's some there's there's some blockage there. I put mine up to it and it was just like off. It's like I turned the light <laughs> off at the edge, at the edge of the glass. There was no refraction. There was nothing. And it's probably one of the funniest moments that's ever happened on this show. Uh, let's see. That's amazing. Uh, Yosef says, I still own a socket 478 Pentium 4 with Windows 7. I do also have a Pentium 4 uh, 478 motherboard out in my garage. Uh, still works. Um, and it's AG, uh, AGP, uh, which I actually am hoping to do a video with an AGP graphics card here in the next uh, couple of weeks, if that uh, shows up. So looking forward to that. Denver sends over another $2 correction, an IBM X, X60 T2400, but X61 with an L74. Okay, L7400 makes a lot more sense because I believe they took away 32-bit compatibility finally, um, where you have to have a 64-bit operating system. Uh, so the L7400 makes a lot more sense. Uh, cool. And that's it. Wait, wait, wait. Did you, did you just read them all? That doesn't sound right. I wasn't paying attention, but yeah, that's all of them. You started up. Oh with wait, the $2 wait, wait, no. Joseph Baggett. I I got Joseph. Hold on. What about Kevin Bratt? Uh. Okay. Look. No, I I. You, how did I see? I scrolled down the list, and those didn't show up. But now I scroll back up, and they're there again. What the crap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 skip those. All right, Kevin you, sends over sends over six ninety nine Canadian. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Much appreciated. I just bought an Avea uh, 9620L IP phone and I converted it f uh, to SIP firmware and I'm trying to register the phone with FreePBX. Um, I am not familiar with Avea phones. Uh, I, I did manage FreePBX servers for a number of years, uh, but for the most part, we tried to use Sangoma hardware, even though it is technically just open SIP certified. We did have some straight up SIP phones in deployment a couple of different places. Uh, but uh, for the most part, when we deployed FreePBX, we went with Sangoma just for the straight up integration that they offered with it. Um, so I'm not sure I'm gonna be much help to you there. Uh, let alone that you're flashing an Avea from standard firmware to an unsupported SIP firmware and then trying to register that SIP firmware with FreePBX. Uh, not only that, it's probably been five years since I've registered a phone on a phone system. Uh, so, 
Yeah. I, did you get Joseph Baggett right up above him? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, that so was the goes. the socket four seventy eight comment. There's one thing Jeff pays me for, and that is to keep him on track. Yeah, actually. So. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Rhett, I need you to edit videos, but that's not your primary job. <laughs> Focus. Uh, American Cosworth, $5. Thank you so much. Halloween costume idea. Rhett should shave his head and go as Kane from uh, Command and Conquer. Yeah, I'm feeling that. I'm that's, feeling that. That's a total vibe. That's... <laughs> That, yeah, that could not? be a thing. Uh, you can do it. Okay. Then, uh, here we go. Skull just realized that uh, YouTube members were a thing. Yes, the memberships are a thing. Uh, I think I have them. I have them active. Um, but uh, I don't think I have any perks with them. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's a it's a yeah. thing. It's a thing I have turned on. Uh, it doesn't get you anything at the moment, though. I oh. think I saw somewhere you can start doing YouTube members for Discord integration, although I have not looked into that. Uh, Rev, do you maybe want to confirm that for me? Like, maybe we can at least give, like, people who want to do YouTube memberships uh, Discord access? Because I think I have it at $2.99 a month. Um, but I, I can't remember for the life of me. Uh, let's see. Yeah, because I'm not even a member. Uh, Mystery Technology says, Craft, uh, if you need AGP, I have them. Uh, I, I have a card that I had always coveted uh, on the way. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. It's an AGP card that I always wanted and uh, never got a hold of. So there's there's a couple of those on my bucket list and they were kind of like the late series AGP cards. Like you could get this in PCI AGP or PCI Express and everyone went, yeah, we're just going to make PCI Express at this point. Um, a second, I want to... Need to look up the card that I'm actually getting. Man, there is a whole party in our Talking Heads Discord uh, room that I always miss out on. I'm never a part of because I'm just a no. silly boy who doesn't keep the chat open. <laughs> uh, Harley says for $5. Thank you, Harley. Much appreciated. Uh, I've had stouts where I can get more light through the palm of my hand than through the beer. That's usually how I drink mine. Uh, Novello Hub. Uh, looks like YouTube did a milestone message button. So Novella Hub's been a member for 15 months. Skull, where the heck have you been? Like, I thought you knew better. Also, also Skull sends over $10 uh, in the super chat. Also, as my chat mod, both here and in Discord. Thank you, Skull. You rock. Uh, but meant to do this one. Here's to the operating costs. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'll just take that out of your salary, if that's okay with you. Uh... <laughs> And the D signs up for a new membership. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Rev, if you're if you're listening, I think I've seen you in chat a couple of times. Let me know if if YouTube does have Discord integration as far as membership. Maybe that's something we can turn on. So Yeah, that'd be neat. Yeah. Hmm. All right. And we're all caught up. Yeah. 38 months for Skull and Rev. Mm. Okay. That's like from the dawn of time. Yeah. 
Excellent. John, wait. John Jay says he's a new member, but now it says member for four months. Did he just wait? How does that work? I don't know. By four months? I, I don't pretend to understand some of YouTube's things. I... Oh, boy. Moving okay. right along. Well, yeah. Story number three. <laughs> Story number three. A, a, a brief 72 minutes into this episode. Uh, and that is that uh, Dbrand is coming out swinging. Uh, so Sony, a couple of months ago, you might remember. Actually, no, this was back in February, more than a couple of months. Uh, Sony threatened Dbrand with a lawsuit over side panels they were selling as replacements for PlayStation 5s. Uh, so Dbrand had come out with these side plates right here. Uh, which had vents cut in the side to presumably help cooling. And in fact, I have heard from third parties that they do help cool the console between three and five degrees beyond stock. And so, yes, they actually do make a difference. However, Sony was, su was suing saying, you can't make side panels that replace the side panels that are already on the PlayStation 5 because that is intellectual property. To which Dbrand said, nay, you never patented the side panel for the PlayStation 5. <laughs> <laughs> Nay, sir. Yeah. Uh, turns out if you want to enforce a trademark on something, you have to first trademark it, which Sony did not do. <laughs> and so Dbrand has now re-released their side panels and said, come at me, bro. <laughs> Good for that. Which I love. Uh, this is, yeah. <laughs> Good for them. Uh, so so basically, Dbrand issued a statement and said, uh, we have come up with a, uh, with a bit of legal defense that we think is, uh, will fully stand up in court should it come to that. And that is, quote, you can't successfully sue someone over an alleged, an alleged design infringement without a registered design patent. Sony did not have a registered design patent for the PS5 side panels when we launched the dark plates or for many months following the release. Now, they do now. But Dbrand released these all the way back in February. Uh, we didn't think they'd ever get one. Uh, they did, and here, the, and here we are. Uh, Dbrand claims the new design is is different enough that it, quote, successfully closes the loop on this dispute and neutralizes any future infringement claims from Sony, adding that its decision to add vents to the side of the plate will help cooling distinguish it further. Quote, happy to license this design to you, Sony. <laughs> That's my favorite. You'll find that our rates are outrageous. <laughs> uh not only do I love Dbrand as far as the social marketing genius that they have, but I also love just the corporateness behind it where they're like, eh, just yeah. like literally this, this whole thing. press release was come at me, bro. Cause you're going to lose. Basically this is the problem with intellectual property. And I, and it's a tough line to draw because it's absolutely important for artists mm -hmm. you know we're seeing this over and over with comic book artists and book authors and yeah. musicians and things like that photographers like, so, cinematographers uh right yeah but as far as it goes with with like hardware and and other things in the tech world like this like it's such a farce because it this also ties in loosely to right to repair like why could you not buy a different side plate for your ps5 why 
Uh, it's stupid. Anyway, good, good, good for them. Right. Um, I'm on board. Yeah. Case replacements for consoles have been a thing since consoles. Like you've always been able to reverse engineer and sell replacement shells. Uh, that was totally a thing on the Nintendo DS because their hinges broke at the drop of a hat. And in fact, my original Nintendo DS has a replacement shell on it that I bought from a company overseas because it had a better quality hinge. This is really yeah. no different. And it's completely legal. And it's funny because the people who who whine so much about intellectual property. I mean, they're, they're also the ones that, I don't know where I'm going with this. It just, it just bothers me Yeah, uh, a lot. Like the, the, like this is like the story of Microsoft. I was just reading a lot about this recently where like early, you know, Microsoft operating systems were like freely and widely distributed, like much to the dismay of Bill Gates. Yeah. But then when personal computers began to become widely adopted and these massive companies were buying hundreds, if not thousands of PCs and saying, well, what's the most popular operating system? Who should we go through? Oh, Microsoft has it. Let's license a thousand microsoft you know os's mm -hmm. bill gates benefited wildly mm -hmm. from the violation of his own intellectual property but then used the basis of intellectual property to like snuff out competition yes uh yeah uh i i don't think that this is really the the right place for a conversation about piracy versus legitimate customers versus DRM versus all the other things that we usually talk about in the gaming and software space. Uh, maybe that's a topic for another day, yeah. but it's always an interesting dichotomy with uh, Nintendo going after super Nintendo ROM sites, for example. Yeah. Uh, you weren't using that property. 90% of that property was not Nintendo first party property anyway. Uh, yeah. Like, yes, Nintendo licensed that property, but that was a license for the dev kit to release it as a Nintendo SNES product, not necessarily as a Nintendo first party product, which means you really don't have any rights to defend Battletoads on SNES as being a illegally distributed ROM. That's up to the publisher and the copyright holder. Um, so, you know, there, there's game preservation versus ROM distribution versus software preservation it is all kind of in the same encompassing conversation. And I think everyone knows where I stand. I am all for game preservation and, uh, in all of its forms, whether it's development versions or, uh, retail releases or whatever else. There are games from my childhood that I can't play because they don't exist. The company went bankrupt, you know, 20 years ago and the software is lost. Like it, it literally doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, I've been looking for copies of a couple different pieces of software for 
well on to a decade, decade and a half uh, because I want to, I've also been looking for hardware for that long because I, I want my first PC. Uh, and if someone has it, I, I'll pay a bounty on it. I, I will pay for, for my first PC, which is a compact Presario CDTV 520. If anyone has one, let me know. I'd like to talk. Uh, but, uh, and I said CDTV, you got to have the TV tuner in it. That's important. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've been looking for various software for, for years and years. And if it weren't for preservation efforts by some groups, some of the software that I have found and gotten a hold of would not exist anymore. Same with games, same with a lot of other things. And treating every single pirate as if they were already going to be a legitimate customer. The only reason they didn't buy from you is because they had the option of piracy is a straight up fabrication. Yeah. Uh, in fact, most of the time, pirates are some of the best customers. They just went, you know what? I'm just not going to buy this one. 100%. And, and, and again, that ties back into the idea Microsoft's success flies in the face of that argument of yeah. piracy. Yeah. Because Microsoft is successful because of piracy. Because who was popular? The most pirated, copied operating system available. Yep at the time and when a legitimate company wanted to do legitimate business they said well who's the most popular microsoft okay buy them done deal right it's the same thing for anything else uh look if you have the money you know buy stuff support people support the developers support artists it's a no-brainer right you don't support me and jeff we go away you don't support your favorite bands and artists they go away right I'm I'm but, I'm only here because you guys support me. This is literally my full time job now. So, but support the artists you like. Support the artists you want to see. That being said, there's something to be said about word of mouth and sharing things that you like, mm -hmm. even if there's not an exchange of money. And I could go on all day about this, but a company like Sony beating down the doors of some small company in their faceplates intellectual property and they couldn't even be bothered they have a legal team the size of the city that i grew up in and they can't even be bothered to make sure that they had a, a trademark or a patent on something already right before they started the sending legal threats to dbrand knowing full well how dbrand responds to legal threats <laughs> like to wrap us around full circle here right you know what I'm getting a D-brand faceplate when I get a PS5. That's all there is to it. All anyway. right. Uh, I think we're going to skip the next story because uh, that was just kind of a filler and we're running a little late as it is. So I think we're going to jump right into that uh, Alibaba. We talked about this a little while ago on the channel uh, that uh, they are starting to develop their own server architecture. That is their own socketed cpus motherboards full-on you know architect server architecture uh they've just unveiled uh the bare metal of their their new system uh which is called the the yitian yitian uh 710 which is a 100 in-house built cloud server based on a socketed 128 core arm processor 
which actually has more transistors than Apple's M1 Mac. Now that's not saying a whole lot since Apple's M1 Mac is an eight core with eight compute units or eight uh, graphic compute units. But the fact that they have that amount of density in a socketable CPU is pretty impressive, especially since they're aiming at web servers. They're aiming at multiple simultaneous workload rather than single threaded speed. Um, it's the common argument of should you buy server hardware versus consumer hardware? You know, well, do you need to go fast in one thing or do you need to go fast in 20 things? Uh, and the fact that Alibaba is putting out a legit ARMv9 server processor with 128 cores is pretty exciting. Um, I don't know what I'd do with one, but I kind of want to have one because it sounds like it's right up my alley. <laughs> no? Um, 128 cores, they can reach speeds up to 3.2 gigahertz, uh, eight DDR5 memory channels, and 96 PCIe 5.0 lanes. 5.0 lanes. So this isn't exactly out of the normal playbook of taking, you know, old technology using DDR3 or DDR4 and PCI3. Uh, this is literally 100% latest gen cutting edge server tech crammed into as many servers as they can running modern architecture. It's kind of cool. It is cool. Sorry, I'm typing in chat. <laughs> yep. Uh, people are going off about their first computers now. Uh, my first computer was a Tandy MC10. Uh, that's predating me just a little bit. Uh, not by much, though. Um, now, technically, my first computer, my first ever computer, was a Macintosh LC2. That is the first computer that I had in my room. Uh, the first computer that I could kind of call my own. Uh, I did have, uh, the computers that I learned how to disassemble and reassemble hardware with were a pair of 386 20 megahertz machines. Uh, they didn't have a manufacturer on them as far as I can tell. I think they were white box, uh, but they were 386 20 megahertz with two megabytes of RAM. Uh, and something like like 12 megabyte hard drives, if they were even that. Uh, booted off floppy. Yeah. Uh, so those are how I learned to, you know, put computers together and not break things, uh, were, were those couple of machines. My first PC was the, the HPAC, or HPAC, Compaq. Sorry, I, I wanted to say HP Compact, but they weren't HP Compact back then. It was just Compact Presario. It was the Compact Presario CDTV 520. It was a 12-inch CRT all-in-one that kind of looked like those old VHS TV combos that you had, like everyone had in their kitchens um, or in an RV. Uh, it was that kind of form factor, but it had a CD drive and a floppy disk on the front of it. And the reason it was called the CDTV was it had an analog TV tuner on an ISA card around the back. And so not only could you use this as a Windows 3.1 desktop, you could also plug in an antenna or cable TV and watch TV on your Windows 3.1 desktop. Like, it's just a cool machine. 
Uh, it also shipped with a piece of software called Tabworks, which was a shell over the top of Windows 3.1, uh, where instead of launching Program Manager, you would launch Tabworks. And it looked like a three-ring binder with a whole bunch of tabs, and you would click on the tab, and it would flip the page over to the next program list folder that you were looking at. So it was it was a visual operating system, not unlike DOS Shell or Program Manager in Windows 3.1, but it was definitely not either of those. It was its own complete thing, just running on top of Windows. Nice. Yeah, the first the first computer that we had in our house was you know uh, in iMac G3. Um, I really didn't have much exposure to computers before then. I've owned over the years like twenty of those. Uh, <laughs> actually, my first independent business venture, those were the machines that I used uh, to run my business. Were uh, because at the time. Uh, you could pick them up for less than $100 a piece. And so mm. I needed a whole bunch of them to run. And uh, it didn't matter what system I ran. It, it could be Windows, it could be Mac, it could be Linux. Didn't matter as long as it would interface with a camera and had a certain web interface on it and whatnot. It's like, yeah. I can run this business on that. That's cool. And so I would find surpluses from like elementary schools where they were selling labs. And it's like, I'll buy five of them for 100 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure we got ours in like 98 or 99. It was just me and my dad and he ran his own business and he needed a computer for email and things like this. And uh, yeah, so we got the iMac G3 and uh, yeah, it had this, this, <laughs> I was just a kid. So it had this game I think about all the time and it was called Nanosaur. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this on the show a whole bunch, <laughs> but it was like you played as like a velociraptor that had so like, futuristic weapons like laser guns a jet pack and things and the goal was you had like 20 minutes you had to collect all the eggs of these dinosaurs before the asteroid hit otherwise they'd go extinct right you get the eggs you bring them back and you save dinosaurs for some future thing uh anyway that was a great game um hey, my hey, first Rhett, personal you're not gonna yeah, believe what? this what Oh my God, yes. The website still exists. <laughs> Requires Mac OS 922, does not run on OS X or in classic mode on, I, on OS X. Requires a 300 megahertz Macintosh, an ATI Rage 128, and 64 megabytes of RAM, although they recommend 96. Wow. Wow. The game webpage still exists. <laughs> Yeah, Pangea Software. Yeah, yeah, dude. Oh yeah, Cromag Rally. That was Cromag Rally and Bugdom. So those yep, were those yep. were two games that were on like future G threes. Yeah, that we yep. had gotten. So that like the Gen one G three that we got in, like ninety eight ninety nine had Nanosaur. Yeah, and then we got another one like two thousand. I don't know two thousand two something. Mm -hmm. That had Bugdom, which was like a little you played as a bug yeah, eh? and, yeah. Little, and then crow and chromag rally which was like a, a a race like kind of like a mario kart but right Na nanosaur stands apart okay that game was legendary um yeah music uh, thank you that was amazing chromag rally that was like the caveman racing game wasn't it yeah yeah i, yeah. I remember playing that yeah at one point you yeah, can download it, it for free oh wow I don't think I was that married to it. I'd rather play Nanosaur, but you no, know, it was still good. And it actually had, uh, you know, what, what's the word? It had, it had like multiplayer, but like 
you know um split screen same keyboard yeah yeah exactly yeah thank you <laughs> multiplayer yeah the way and we so, used to play cyber dogs anyone remember can, cyber dogs one player would use wasd the other player would use would uh, use numpad right yeah, yeah exactly oh pretty cool shit yeah and then the first pc that i ever had myself was like an off-the-shelf hp but it was after a tsunami wiped out all of the RAM factories in Asia. So it had a, the, a great distinction of using Rambus, um, which was a huge pain in the ass <laughs> to upgrade. Uh, you're, you're pissing off a really good friend of mine right now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, he lives by Rambus. No. Uh, so uh, he was known as the early adopter who always got bit. Um, and so uh, he was like, uh, you know, I'm finally in the market for a new PC. You know, Dell had this deal going on and I can get a Pentium 3 850 megahertz with 128 megabytes of Rambus memory. And it comes with Windows Millennium. Like, why wouldn't I jump on that? I'm pretty sure that's close to what i had but it was an hp yeah um so yeah that was his machine for years and years and years uh and the thing with rambus is it's a dual channel memory yeah, but it can only have... run in dual channel yeah and so i had to i had two so god i had two sticks of 128 megabytes and then two Wait. dummy sticks right yeah but then i and then i upgraded though and it cost me an arm and a leg to get two sticks. And I think I got, uh, so I had like 760 megabytes mm -hmm. total or so, you know, what I, right in there. Yeah. Some obscure number that no one would ever. 768. 768. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm all about them, them obscure Ram numbers. 540. You know. Anyone, anyone get to right. 540. <laughs> <laughs> but. That's a 512 and a 32 megabyte stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was another time. But then I upgraded. I, pu I pulled my money, got myself a NVIDIA GeForce 3, baby. That's where I was at. I played Warcraft 3. Nobody's business. Yep. Uh, NetGuy sends over a $20 super chat. Thank you so much. Good, sir. Uh, could be the resin fumes or the double IPAs, but very happy to help support your full-time creation journey. Uh, thank you for the unique home lab content, hashtag picklebeer, to which I already responded, it's going to cost you a lot more than that. I'll drink a pickle beer. Rhett will drink a pickle beer. Rhett, Rhett will be my official, like, king's taster. Yeah. Rhett, you do you taste pickle, pickle on this brew? <laughs> oh, Yes, sir. I taste pickle. How about you? Um, just a little limerick for you. Uh, <laughs> Jeff pays me the big bucks for a reason, everyone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Look, it's not for the writing. Jeff... No, it's certainly not. <laughs> Y'all want Jeff to drink pickle beers? Send them and I'll drink them for you because I love pickle beers. Uh, and I love pickled juice. Yeah. One of uh, a great, a great little. Uh, you know, you can't call it a cocktail because it doesn't have three ingredients, but whiskey and pickle juice. I've, I've heard that. And in fact, a common back at a bar is you get a shot of Jameson with a pickle back. Yeah, it's great. 
it is great. No, don't, no. No, no. It's great. I don't, that's, that's like drinking the blue liquor that preserves combs. I, I don't want to drink the do that. fluid that preserves my pickles. That that the makes the cucumbers edible combs. three years later. Like, <laughs> on, on what planet does that make sense? It's good. And it has so many electrolytes. It's better for a hangover. because it's, it's 90% salt. <laughs> it's good for you. And it's a great hangover cure. If you're not feeling well in the morning after drinking... This will finish you pickles. off. It'll perk you up. God, this guy, everybody. He's over here talking about Evan White. Evan White. Who's Evan God. White? Get out of here. It's the white Are label. you still talking to Evan White? <laughs> That's still in your phone book? <coughs> Whatever. Th you know what? I thought you said you wouldn't see him anymore. You don't pay me enough. <laughs> Send your pickle beers to me, and I will issue a review on Jeff's behalf. <laughs> there you go. That's as close as you will ever get to getting pickle inside of me. I'm all about it. We you know are we I not love? doing phrasing? No, why not? Okay. That was a sexy phrase, and I'm there for it. That's right. Yeah. It's the closest you're going to get to getting pickles in Jeff. Yep. Getting your dirty pickle in Jeff. You're not getting that inside of me. <laughs> but you can get it inside of me because I'm cheap and I love pickles. Here's the thing. Rhett's Fermenting... cheap enough that I could afford him. So there you go. <laughs> Fermenting things is a practice as old as civilization, Jeff. You're, you're right. You're right. Um, I do want to talk about this beer for a second, which I um, am actually very much enjoying. I was going to talk about pickled eggs, but you go ahead and take it away. I, I, I feel like I need to because you were going to talk more pickles. I, I need to talk, I need to divert back eggs. to relevancy. <laughs> so let's start with beer and let's get back to tech before this becomes the pickle hour or basically hops and brews. <laughs> um, so gluten-free stout. Uh what is this clocking in at? Six and a half percent. So not not a heavy stout. <laughs> you okay over there, buddy? <laughs> not a heavy stout by any means. Um, but actually surprisingly rich malt to this. Really full-bodied. Um, this is definitely not a, a thick chocolate or coffee or barrel-aged stout or anything like that. But if this was like your starting brew. I could see this turning into something special like that. Um, like this reminds me, this is going to be slightly higher praise than this should deserve, but follow me. This reminds me like of Fort George Kavatica Stout, where that is their base for all of their specialty beers. So, so Fort George will make like 12 different barrel-aged beers and collaborations and 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 whatnot. And the Kavatica stout, which is their standard 9.0 stout, is still a phenomenal beer. And it has all the right notes that you would want to taste in a good stout. I'm getting all the right notes in this glass and nothing that I'm not happy with. 
like the malt is right. It's got a little bit of a roast to it. It's a little bit, little bit of a dark chocolate, if if I had to even call it that much. But mostly, it's just a good drinkable dark beer. Uh, and man, if they could boost the ABV on this by like two percent, I think it would be a contender in in some stout competitions. At at that eight to eight and a half percent, you know. It, You're selling me. Right. Because, Jeff, like I told everybody before, I love a dark beer. Yeah. Uh, my mouth, my, my, I'm getting. For, for getting a, a, for a wheatless, barleyless, ryeless beer, maltless beer, like there's no malt in this. You, you realize that, right? And it's I'm a stout. There. And I'm, I'm enjoying there. it. <laughs> Dogfish head, right? Uh, Ghostfish head. Ghost, I so so there's dogfish head, brewing that, I know, and ghostfish yeah. head, right? I do that every single so time do for I. those breweries. And, and I think it's kind of unique to people who live in this area who understand both. Yeah. Yeah. Ghostfish head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, it we have, truly is a solid beer. We have a gluten-free brewery in Portland. Well, at least one. Probably more. Yeah. Bale Breaker, they're pretty good. Oh, Bale Breaker, yeah. yeah, yeah, they got great beers. Probably not as good as that because that sounded amazing. My mouth is literally watering. It's seriously good. Like, we're forty minutes in. That's what's left. I'm pretty honest about my beers. <laughs> uh, oh, we know. No, this is just great. Um, I mean, it's not the best out I've ever had. It's, not, but it has all the makings of something that is so so good it has all the right notes there's nothing off-putting about it like i said if you added two percent to this i think it's a real winner a real real winner sounds great sounds great next time i need one too i have a couple out in my fridge i'll save you one. Oh hell yes I, Once again, this relationship pays off. I, I buy my beers in four packs usually. Even if they don't come <laughs> that way, I'll buy four at a time because yeah. that's that's two for me to enjoy or rather one for me to enjoy and one to give to someone else and then one to have on a regular episode and then one to have on Talking Heads. So yeah, I'll buy a yeah. four pack and I'll crack one off for myself as a dinner gift to myself and then... I've got the show taken care of for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we I roll. mean, that's what I did when I went to, you know, we were supposed to be at San Am for that show. Mm -hmm. I went to San Am and I just bought four packs of like 10 different beers. Uh, do I regret it? Well, maybe my pocketbook does. Um, but, you know. Why not? You yeah. Know? I, I working for craft computing, I can now afford beer. So y'all get more than Rainier now. Right. Okay. Right. What else? You, guys you notice want? he opened two craft beers. Now one was Ninkasi that comes in a 12 pack, like and it, baby it steps. It was on sale. Baby steps. It was on sale. <laughs> <laughs> I think like normally like a six pack of that comes out like at the convenience store, right? It comes out to like 12 bucks. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, about two bucks, a two bucks, a 12 ounce. Yeah. And I got a uh, I got a twelve pack for like fifteen. Oh, there you so, go. There you go. 
That's what's up. This is a great beer, though. So, uh, did you get the the Nenkasi IPA pack? Is what that was. So you got the Prismatic, the uh, uh, Triceratops. Yeah. Yep. It was just those two. Yeah. Okay. That's not a bad deal. No, it was a great deal. Yeah. And I was I was I wasn't at the store for beer, but I was right at the checkout stand. I was like, all right. <laughs> For 15 bucks. So like, Novella Hub says, it sounds like Jeff only wants pickle beers in his P.O. box, to which I stay. If you send me too many pickle beers, they will not land in the fridge. I will store them in my hot garage over the summer and then give them to Rhett. So that sounds fine. That sounds sparingly what, like only. Send them. Send them. You know what? Maybe I got to start sharing my P.O. box with everybody. <laughs> Those pickle beers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's the only way a pickle's going to show up on this channel is if you're drinking it. I don't see the big deal, Jeff. It sounds good. Brine of Satan. Mm. Morty. Come to the garage, Morty. I'm a pickle, I'm Morty. A pickle. <laughs> Funniest shit I've ever seen. Oh, that's, that's so I got it. My my dad. What? I'm gonna touch it. You're gonna say like it's an alien dick or something. <laughs> my dad bought a toy the other day, and he gave and he gave it to my son. He's like, I don't. He just needed to have something to play with. And it's like I don't even know what it is. It's a shaker or whatever, but it looks like a cactus. It legitimately looks like Cactus Rick. <laughs> like if Rick was a cactus. <laughs> I'm Cactus Rick. That's all I can think of every time I see it. I'm like Morty. I'm a cactus, Morty. Isn't that cool? <laughs> uh. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Uh. It's nice when we can just have these, like, six seconds where we don't have to talk. Anyway, moving well, right along. We both along. saw something in the chat. We had to jump on. I, I did too, yeah. <laughs> oh, send pickle beers to Rhett's P.O. Box at 52. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see if 52 is available. Maybe that'll be a thing. Rhett Box 52. Rhett, yeah. Oh, Lord. All right. Uh, so Alibaba put up their new ARM processors. And uh, Rhett, this was a late ad, like, since the start of the show, because I completely forgot about the Apple event. So... We're just going to go into it. Uh, and that is that Apple also unveiled their new ARM processors. Uh, sorry, I completely forgot to add it to the notes. Uh, oh, I was in, like, where is this? In, in the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. Now, I did add it to the show notes, so you can go click on it if you want. Um, it's too late. Yeah, we're already into it. <laughs> um, yeah, so five nanometer M1 Max CPUs are here. Now, I... My first criticism is really M1 Max is what you're going with because you unveiled the M1 Max last year, but now you're talking about unveiling the M1 Max. Everyone see what I did there? Okay. Uh, I'm just waiting for the iMac Max with the M1 Max CPU. Uh, but I digress. There were some pretty big upgrades in this CPU, and and I I don't I don't mean to take this lightly. I am seriously impressed by what Apple has done year over year with the M1 CPU, especially this being only their second, you know, 
first generation with some improvements CPU. They're not even willing to call it a second generation yet. And mind you, the Mac Pro is reportedly going to use like four of these glued together. So is going to be fast. I, th I think is we can safely say that. Thunderbolt 4 on board, up to 64 gigabytes of DDR4 supported, 400 gigabytes per second memory bandwidth, 5 nanometer process, has 10 CPU cores, that is 8 high performance cores, and 2 low power cores, up to 32 cores on the GPU, 16 as standard, ProRes decode and encode built in, uh... And they say industry leading performance per watt. And honestly, I'm just going to take their word for it because they kicked the crap out of it with the M1. And I can't imagine this is going to be any worse. Uh, yeah, for those who are looking for a laptop, the brand new MacBooks, oh, holy crap. Just holy good goddamn. Do they look impressive? The, the one thing that I, I think I'm impressed with the most is that Apple backtracked over the last five years. We listened to pros and they said all they wanted was two USB-C ports on their laptops. And we want it thin enough so we don't need to add a US, uh, an SD card slot. And we never use the HDMI port, so let's 86 that. We listened to pros and what they'd really like is some non-tactile interfaces in the form of essentially an Apple Watch spread across the function buttons with a touch interface that makes absolutely no sense for any application and is essentially a touch emoji bar for 90% of applications. I'm going to give Apple credit. They backtracked on like every one of those statements. They did away with the emoji bar and... It's back to function keys with actual functions, with actual tactile keys that you can press and you can press them without looking at them and know exactly what you're, what you're pressing. There's nothing more frustrating than I'm even just trying to adjust the volume on my Mac and I hit the wrong button in the wrong location because it's a touchpad instead of a physical key that I know the location of. Uh, beyond that, my M1 MacBook is the best laptop I've ever used, bar none. And the thought of getting four high, four more high-performance cores under the same footprint, it's beyond an, a, a, a need. It's, it's into a want, which means I'm not going to buy one. But I really want one. But the rest of the, the backtracking, the... Hey, we don't think you need to carry around 17 dongles. How about if you carry around just your 10 gigabit Ethernet dongle and we go ahead and let you plug in an SD card and an HDMI cable at the same time so your video editor can review footage and you can have a second monitor when you're docking down as well as two USB-C Thunderbolt ports to use to your heart's content. Doesn't that sound like a pro application, Apple? Yeah. Uh, this is thicker than previous MacBooks. It's thicker. It also has more battery life because it's thicker. Because they could. Like, imagine if laptops were an inch thick now. Like, no. just imagine if laptops were an inch thick today. Alienware excluded because they're still an inch thick. 
<laughs> there's there's a few gaming laptops. Yeah, there, I mean, an inch thing. There's the desktop replacement, which is like we put an AMD 5950X into into a laptop, <laughs> and we have no way to cool it because we put two heat pipes on top of it, and we're hoping to God it doesn't just burst into flames. Uh, no, think of like laptops back when Apple started pushing for thin. Think of think of like the last Dell laptop that you owned, circa 2012 or earlier. Do you remember what those laptops looked like? How about 2006? Do you remember 2006? I know you were like six years old, but... Shut your mouth. <laughs> I was eight and a half. <laughs> uh, yeah, does anyone remember 2006 when I was already out of college and married? Uh, yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had what was a portable 14-inch laptop that was widescreen, forward thinking, I will say. Uh, but widescreen laptop, 1440 by 900 display. It was also a compact. It was a uh, uh, Turion, Turion X64 X2. So it was a dual core Turion. Uh, that, God, that thing was an inch thick. It, it was thick, it was bulky, it was yeah. heavy. It got three hours of battery if there. all you did was turn it on and let it sit. Yeah, I've got a Dell Inspiron from like 2003 somewhere, like right around me. Mm -hmm. I'm looking around for it, but I don't see it. But it's around here for sure. Is it one of the 14-inch 4x3s? Of course oh, God, yeah. Of course it's 4x3. You don't believe in widescreen. No, it was a gimmick back then. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. I, I Maybe I'll pull that out for the, secret, the super secret after show. There you go. I can go and find it. Take off your shirt, grab the laptop, you know, the standard. Well, there. Uh, yeah, yeah, which, maybe. by the way, if you want access to our super secret after show, make sure to look us up on Patreon or Floatplane. Links are both down in the video description. You'll get exclusive access to said Discord server where you can chat with myself, John, Rest, Steve, and all the other hosts from Talking Heads. Not that there's any more, but there could be. Uh, and also the awesome and ever-growing community that hangs out over there. We take part in an after show that starts at 10.30 p.m. Pacific time every week. Usually lasts about an hour and a half to two hours or whenever people start dropping like flies. Because Five hours. Six hours. Sometimes I will go to bed at two in the morning and wake up and the Australians are still talking. I'm trying to get everybody in the Super Secret After Show to just like, hey, let's play some Unreal Tournament 2004. But everybody just wants to hang out and talk and like we share our feelings and personal stuff. It's like... <laughs> Can we just play some Insta Give? Come on. Yeah. Let's do it. You know? Just kidding. That's not true. I mean, it is. I mean, I would love to. You guys want. It'd be great. Yeah. But I was just joking. Yeah. So if you wanna you wanna see where this party keeps going, hit us up on the Patreon or float plane. And help keep the lights on around here because that's literally most of my income. It would be and much appreciated. Too. And and Rhett's too. Like, yeah, I'm 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 paying for his lights now. It's true. Freaking and notice out. I've got them all on. I know. I noticed. <laughs> I noticed. Could you turn Whatever. one off just for me? Like, I I need to make sure your family's okay, right? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, because I care about my my contract employees. <laughs> it's true. He does. He's better than FedEx. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's true. Uh, anyway, the new MacBooks look insane. I had to make sure we talked about them. 
Uh, let's get into a quick retail update. And that is that Walmart is finding themselves under a little bit of fire after a TikTok went viral, which I didn't know was a thing. And I also didn't know that there were TikTokers. Like there's people that actually post TikToks and people watch oh, them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm Dude, kidding. I'm all in this I'm now. Kidding. Okay. Kidding. Because last time, Big Big Spoon in his super chats got me on oh, TikTok. Oh yeah. No, he's got a couple viral TikToks. He does. We that. have a TikToker in our in our, our Discord community. Uh, yeah. The only TikToker I watch with any regularity is Scott Prop and Roll. For anyone who's... Uh, seen him or not seen him uh he's a prop master who works on a lot of uh uh, hollywood and television and stuff like that and he shows you like uh like rubber knives and and he'll like stab himself like six times and then finish with a dad joke and it's like a 30 second video and it's amazing um yeah look i'm not gonna lie tiktok's great let's i see the appeal it's not for me because my videos have evolved into like 25 minutes each, but I think I see the appeal. Jeff, knowing your humor, I think there's a place for you on TikTok. I think there is because I, <laughs> I've, I've got pretty quick one-liners. I really do. Um, I haven't seen many TikTok tech tubers, tech TikTok, tech talk tubers. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Tech talkers. There you go. See? You're already redefining the entire space. Right. If I'm the first one, do I get to name it? Probably. Look, the thing is, is that you have all of the hashtag hashtag talk spaces, right? You've got witch talk. You've got, um, you know, what's some of the other ones? I think of witch talk because that's just popular all the time. Um, Anyway, anything talk is a space, you know? Any word talk, it's a thing. Anyway, uh, Walmart is under a bit of fire because of this TikTok that has gone viral, been seen at least three and a half million times, and that's when the article was written by The Independent, so it could have been like on Monday, who knows. Uh, But uh, in the 22-second TikTok, it says, y'all can't get any PS5s because Walmart is hoarding them all. Uh, So here is a distribution warehouse owned by Walmart, uh, showing literally an entire industrial shelf full of PlayStation 5s, like thousands of PlayStation 5s. Uh, now, I'm of two minds about this. I'm on. I'm in the mind of the consumer saying, what the bloody hell? We haven't been able to buy those since they were announced. It seems wrong that Walmart is just holding them. And to some extent, I agree. To the other extent, I also know that Black Friday is coming up and Walmart probably wants to have a decent stock so they can offer Black Friday and say, hey, we have PlayStation 5s in stock. Come visit us for Black Friday. Um, I can't really fault them as a retailer because that's a that's a normal strategy. Yeah. It's like, yes, something's hard to get, but the point of a retailer is not just to sell you something. It's to get you into the store and buy with that retailer. And so yeah. if Walmart has the stock, then Walmart holds the cards. And it's kind of... I'm not defending the multi-billion dollar conglomerate. Like, let's be clear. There's there's a lot of things I can fault Walmart for. Uh, 
but this seems kind of minor. There, there's a lot of reasons why PS5s are hard to get your hands on. Just like every other piece of technology that everyone wants right, right now, and even not right. technology. Right. right. And th- and this is factor one out of ten, one out of twenty. Yeah. Right. Um, is it crappy? Yeah, probably. But is it normal? Yeah. <laughs> like, especially going into the season that we're going into now. I don't know. I mean, yeah, we're not going to sit here and defend Walmart by any means, but like there are a myriad of other reasons why you can't get the tech that you want to get your hands on. Yeah. Um, and so all you got to do is become like me and become a second, third gen adopter. Wide screens of fad. Find yourself a YouTuber. Get in close. Befriend him. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Look, all I'm saying is there's probably one at your favorite local bar. And if you just (laughs) go in enough times, it's bound to work out. (laughs) I wasn't even a YouTuber then. You were playing the long game. (laughs) I'm all about the long game. Jeff, I'm an expert at identifying those who can be useful to me later on in life. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yes. This guy looks like he'd be a good friend of a camera. Hey, do you want to join a podcast and just talk about your experience with VR and and what you think about the industry? You know what? You should start a YouTube channel <laughs> so I can mooch graphics cards off you later on in life. And it's working. I can play all the latest titles. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all the latest. Have you ever heard of Morrowind? <laughs> yes, yes, right. We've heard of Morrowind. <laughs> I can play it. <laughs> I got all the latest HD graphic overhauls. Got those total those conversions working. Second life. Yeah. <laughs> My character didn't get off no boat. <laughs> Hell no. Now he's Never. born into the thief. <laughs> yeah i played some morrowind come at me whatever <laughs> whatever jeff that is your real name it's not when is the morrowind video coming out i don't know soon why not let's make it happen eventually yeah <clears throat> yeah i i have the graphics done for a second channel we just need to like figure out Do what it. we want to put on it I know. The hard work's done. Yeah. It is. <laughs> right? Just time for all the extra work. Yeah. yeah. The, the fun work, if you will. Well, I just contracted it out, so, you know. Hey, you know, anytime. Anytime. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Enough people start asking for Morrowind videos. I'm going to be duty-bound to deliver sooner or later. I, I think you're going to have to eventually. Anyway, it is 10.03, three minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock here on the West Coast. And I think that's going to do it for episode 206 of Talking Heads. You can catch us every Wednesday night here on YouTube on Craft Computing for the latest in beer and tech news. Uh, Rhett, you got anything to pimp for that other thing that doesn't pay your bills? Time's up, okay, cool. (laughs) 
Guys, you can find everything that I do over on my Twitter account at Red is Awesome. That includes my game dev podcast, Game Devs Quest, over at GameDevsQuest.com, and my Dungeons and Dragons podcast, now uh, now lovingly known as The In at the End. Uh, you can go to chaoticamateurs.com or in at the end.com. And as always, I'm going to be here some Wednesdays live on Talking Heads with Craft Computing. You can find me sitting behind the uh, editing station. Uh, whenever Jeff has new videos come out. So go ahead and tweet at me. Keep me company at Red is Awesome. Yep. Uh, link to his Twitter is down in the video description. Check me out on Twitter at uh, Craft Computing if you like daily shenanigans and funny posts and me bitching about the world because that's a lot of what it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, make sure to join the Patreon or Float Plane so you can help support the channel, keep the lights on for both me and Rhett, and help keep content coming straight to you. Uh, Patreon and Float Plane is literally what keeps the house afloat. It's it's what makes this whole thing run. It greases the wheels and uh, makes sure content keeps coming. Most other funds I count as lost and go back into content. So keep that in mind when you're uh, subscribing to your favorite YouTuber of choice. Anyway. Absolutely. Hey, super chat from Cran, $5. He says something about Australia. Hey, good eye, mate. That's all I have to say about that. Brett, I know people here. <laughs> By popular demand, Jeff. Yeah. Token Australian sport. I had to do it. Token Australian support. Yeah, Rhett, Rhett's our token Australian. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize on behalf of Craft Computing. His views do not represent those of the the incorporation. They asked me to do it. Okay, and he gave us five dollars. Okay, okay. If I'll he asked, myself okay, $5. okay. I I gotta get you like some training with uh, with Tech Yes. Get get some of that that Bogan voice going on. I think so. Like we've had so. some beers with him, so you've already had some one on one, but but I I think you need it, that next you need like Rosetta Stone for Bogan. Yeah, it comes out even stronger after beer too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Let's make it happen. Yeah. No. It, Brian's great after three beers, by the way. <laughs> He's a lot of fun. Now four? Mm, too far. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, we, we had to distance ourselves after four. <laughs> Anyway, thank you all so much for watching episode 206 of Talking Heads. As always, I'm Jeff. And as always, we will see you next Wednesday. Cheers, all. Cheers, everyone.